Hey everybody, it's Staffing and Recruiting the Real Life. I am Kevin O'Brien, Echo Gravity. I'm here with my partner in crime. Hey Kev, how are you? Good to be back. It's been a few... What's that? You forgot here, huh? How to, uh, how to do this? We're in this remote environment now, so things are a little bit uh, more awkward. Yeah, no, no a, little, a little awkward, but uh, gaining experience each day exponential experience by working remotely. Uh, so certainly good to be back and certainly looking forward to, to today's topic and guest. Yeah, well, we're on uh, sanitized equipment in our, uh, in our own environment here. And so uh, with our you know, social distancing, uh, you know, we're doing this at a different uh, level now. So uh, it's interesting how you can uh, use different platforms and uh, still get the same thing accomplished, even though we're about 30 miles apart. Well, absence makes a heart grow fonder, Kev. So while we're separated physically, you're always right beside me. It's good to hear that. So how have you been? All in all, everything good? Yeah, you know, pretty good. Uh, let's see. Uh, new in my life is my daughter, a uh, senior in high school, has officially committed to the, the Ohio State University. So she will be a Buckeye in the fall. And with the state of Ohio opening up, we are cautiously optimistic that she will start on time in Columbus. And so we're excited about that. Me personally, it's just about staying away from the refrigerator. This new uh, work from home uh, scenario puts me five feet from my refrigerator and pantry uh, most of the day. So my ability to uh, not eat certainly is a, is, a, is a challenge. I'm a muncher, so I like to you know have my snacks. And so this is something I've been working on and hopefully uh, will come out on the other side successfully. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, uh, I wish you luck with that. I've actually been able to uh, cut back a little bit on my eating. And so, um, you know, when you want to stand, in, you don't want to stand in line at the grocery stores to get in sometimes. Uh, I'm actually buying less food. So I'm finding that I've uh, lost a few pounds. So I'm kind of happy about that. Well, you, you, you've, I've taken what you've lost. Oh, excellent. Well, good. Well, I'm glad we had a chance to do this, and I'm pretty excited about uh, today because uh, I was able to talk with our guest. Uh, his name is Jeff Mariola. Tony, I, I'm sure you know Jeff, and my background with Jeff goes back eh, not too far, maybe a couple of years. I uh, met Jeff at the uh, at an ISSA, which is the Illinois Search and Staffing Association, the executive um, uh, summit. It was more or less an owner's retreat type of activity. And Jeff was there speaking on behalf of uh, his knowledge and expertise. And I was pretty impressed with him at that time and had a chance to uh, get to know him uh, through the years here. And uh, he's going to be joining us here today. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, welcome you, Jeff, to our podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jeff. Good to hear from you, man. Hope all's well with you. Haven't seen you since the uh, where where did we last meet? Metropolitan Club. Metropolitan Club. Yes. Um, have not been able to. Uh, and and by the way, for all those listeners, uh, we typically do our uh, podcast from high atop what was the Sears Tower, and then changed to Willis Tower, which and I hear now is being changed to perhaps Aon, as Aon has bought Willis. Uh, but yes, Jeff and I are both members there, and we 
sit side by side uh, sharing business ideas. So I do miss seeing you as well, Jeff. That's well, good to be on. Well, how, how is that going to work now with uh, this club now just kind of being on hold? I guess. Uh, yeah. Is there any word yet as far as what's going to happen next? Well, they're 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 using our dues. Uh, it'll be a, sort of a credit to us uh, that we can utilize when we do get back and going. Um, so, um, yeah, I think they're hoping to get back to you know reality soon. Hopefully, with you know parameters in place, probably some social distancing, but. Yeah, I, I assume that they will be opening up in, in June. Good. Well, um, Jeff is here with us, and uh, I think he's got some a lot of interesting things to say, actually. I've had a chance to uh, not only see him speak live, but I had a chance to watch some of his videos out there. If you haven't done that, uh, please do. Um, I enjoyed your uh, when you were with Brilliant, your videos at the coffee shop, your kind of thoughts. Oh, Mojo Monday. Yeah. Mojo Monday. That's what it was. Yeah. I forgot what it was, but uh, they're hard to find, but I did see a few of those and, and truly enjoyed them. So, uh, uh, I, and I know you've made some changes here. So if you can, why don't you start off and just give us a sense of what you're up to these days? Well, after I, I left Brilliant, after four years, I decided uh, to go into business with my wife. So Michelle and I, my, my wife's background was, uh, she was chief marketing officer for an international firm. And then she had shifted before I did to doing consulting work. So when I, when I left Brilliant, decided to uh, go completely into consulting, really doing leadership and management development. So we started uh, about a year and a half ago, Mariola Unlimited. And, and that's really where we spend our time. It's transforming, transforming managers into higher performing managers. It's working with sales teams to get them to higher levels of sales productivity and primarily doing that inside companies, middle market type companies, anywhere from 10 to $500 million size companies. And we've uh, had, a, had a really good year, a very meaningful year for us in the work that we've been doing. And then all of a sudden, eight weeks ago, most of our work has shifted to doing it virtually. But you learn that it can be done and it can be done effectively. There's just some things that we've learned through kind of trial and error that are you can still have an impact. And, and I think is particularly now when we're talking about what's next, you know, you always hear the term VUCA, the acronym VUCA being tossed around when people are talking about strategy and talking about the business environment. Well, that, that word, that V is, is, is volatility. I mean, the rate of change right now is as high as I've ever seen. The U in VUCA is uncertainty. And if there's ever been uncertainty, we're facing it. And the A in VUCA is ambiguity. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's so much lack of clarity and the C being complexity. How are we dealing with that? And I, I think there are real opportunities for us to look at our businesses now and pivot in a direction to where six months, a year from now, we're going to look back with tremendous amount of learnings about how to better build our businesses. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, uh, you know, there's so much going on. And uh, one of the things that really stuck out for me in a recent email that you had shot out was uh, just the sales environment and what that means to us as a whole. Uh, things are changing. The ability to get in front of people, has changed, uh, how we communicate with people has changed, uh, you know, so 
there's a lot going on. So I think the idea here would be to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your your model here and what that means for the sales environment as a whole. Uh, you know, how would you uh, address this, and what are you seeing for uh, leaders, for company owners, for people that head up marketing teams and sales teams, as well as those that are out there trying to uh, sell. Uh, what, what do you, what do you see and what do you uh, think and would be a good suggestion for the listeners? Well, if we start from, let's start with a role. Let's start with the management sales management role that at a time like now, it's going to require that you spend first of all, and here's where I would start is start with yourself. You have to do a check-in on yourself. We have to be so mentally prepared to deal with issues that we haven't had to deal with before with, with our colleagues, with our sales professionals that are reporting to us. But to me, Kevin, it begins by making sure that I am clear, that I have very mindful of how I'm going to approach, that I'll be making sure that I'm sharpening my own saw. In other words, working on myself to, to make sure that I'm present. I think a manager's responsibility is to bring personal energy to every single conversation that they have with one of their direct reporting um, salespeople. The second is they have to have that ability to be able to energize now more than ever. And I mean, energize in a way, Kevin, that's, that's real. I'm not going to paint a picture of the next three, four months that's unrealistic. But I want to be reassuring enough that they know that I'm willing to go first. So if, if I have myself in the right mindset before I have these conversations, and these conversations that we're having with our salespeople now are critical, one of the things that I would recommend is check in with them. Check in with them. It's, it's compassionate empathy. It goes beyond just normal emotional type of empathy as I know how you feel. Compassionate empathy is listening to your salespeople to get a sense for what's the story that they're telling themselves right now. Because way too often, the sales manager is going to want to jump right in to looking at activity, to looking at metrics, and that's behavior change. In order to get effective behavior change, you have to go below the surface. And below the surface is getting at the heart of what this person is currently thinking about what the frame of mind, what's the mindset that they have about what the future looks like for them and try to remove kind of any interference that might be there. So that would be one of my, one of my first suggestions would be check in often when you do, just don't go jumping to activities, numbers, and metrics. Find out where the person is at. How are they thinking about things? because there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety still about what's gonna, what it's gonna be like to go back to work. What's gonna happen when we do go back to work? And getting real with somebody about those kind of issues first, checking in with them on an emotional intelligence will then set the stage for you to accomplish what you wanna accomplish on that call, which is getting so Jeff, yourself- I think that's interesting. Jeff, that's interesting because uh, the reason, and, and the reason I say that is because, you know, as a sales leader to my company, right, uh, I think sometimes the people that work with me think that I am, I hate to use the word Teflon Don, but they think that sort of none of this applies to me. And so I start off by 
sort of reassuring them that I am just like them, that yeah. uh, this environment that we are currently in is new to me, and that the same energy and passion that I put into while I was at the office is the same sort of passion and energy I want to put it when I'm at my home. You know, we are fortunate enough to be in a business that, frankly, it's hard to differentiate what could be your home and what could be your office. Uh, recruiting uh, and staffing allows us to be anywhere that we can utilize tools, email, and phone. So, you know, I've reassured them that I am putting in the same amount of effort Frankly, I'm not trying to be more or do more. I'm trying to be the same person and I'm trying to uh, sort of communicate with my team that don't worry about the metrics. Don't worry about what you had suggested earlier. Okay. Let's get into some good habits, habits that if they, if you do them long enough, will breed success. So, I, I sort of asked them to throw out the metrics. Don't worry about hitting targets. I, um, I want them to focus on themselves, their family, and still being, pro, you know, active in their job. You know, they they have kids now at their house. They have dogs at their house. They have wives or husbands or partners at their house. Uh, they have the doorbell ringing. They have all these sort of distractions that might not have occurred before. And I am uh, empathetic to those because it's happening to me. Currently, I'm sitting in my you know bedroom now where I was in a, another room because I, I need to be considerate of other people. So I, I think you're right on with sort of showing the emotional and and, and um, emotional side of, of a leader and a manager, letting them know that you're just one of them. There's nothing different. And, and if you focus on those things that you might get some more positive feedback and, and work, work, work effort. So Tony, I think I think your approach is, is 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 the absolute right approach. What you're what you're really doing is you're you're going that seek first to understand, then be understood approach, and 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 that is the right way to approach a salesperson or really any one of our colleagues at work right now because of there's there's so much unknown that we don't know what's happening with them. So showing that you're vulnerable, showing that you are also experiencing the same things can connect. It forms emotional resonance and trust and confidence. And then from there, you can bridge that to focusing on looking at what's ahead of us and how we are going to manage ahead of this and work through this to get to a better place. So I, I, yeah, I, I like to be honest with you, Jeff, thank, thank Jeff. And thanks because I, what, what, and I'm actually asking them to take that same approach to who they're selling to. That, that I think now more than ever, you know, people have vulnerabilities um, and it's okay to have that as sort of the, the lead into uh, a conversation. Don't just talk about what I can do for you and, and how I'm the best recruiting firm or staffing firm and what sort of talent we can get. So I'm taking that same approach one step further and showing my potential client my, our, my vulnerability as well. And I think that helps to sort of break the seal that they are just people as well, right? The, sometimes the, the definition between, you know, who is my buyer and who is the seller and who's selling who, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're all people living in the same environment and it does, this affects everybody. 
what, what's going on in today's world affects everybody. Doesn't matter if you're in manufacturing and tourism and the law, if you're in uh, retail, it doesn't matter. It somehow impacts you in every which way. And I think those people too would like to share their vulnerabilities back. So I, I think it's just the right approach for everybody right now. It's the right thing to do. And it, 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 it's, it's also going to be separating the great companies from the average companies. Here's, here's what I see happening three, four months from now. People are going to start going back to work for the first time in 10 years. And you guys know this all too well. The market's changed considerably. There is going to now be talent on the marketplace, unemployment levels that we hadn't seen before. What I think is going to happen come July and August, where I could never go out and, and recruit a high-performing person to come to work for me for the most part because they were pretty happy where they were. People are going to be looking back and they're going to say, how did my company respond through this pandemic? How were they as a community leader? How well did they look after the colleagues working in the business? And how thoughtful were they about how they're transitioning us back into the workplace. And if your people are looking back and it's not a great experience, you are leaving your business vulnerable to somebody coming in and, and taking away your top talent. So this is going to be a real bellwether for a lot of businesses. Is it how well are they looking after the hearts and minds of the people that are working inside the business? And I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that comes from how were they before this happened? Yeah. What type of community, what type of environment, what type of leadership was taking place on a day in and day out basis prior to this COVID? Because I would imagine those companies that had a stronger community, had a better bond, showed empathy, will come out of this far better than those that are perhaps unfamiliar or unwilling to sort of behave in this unknown time period. And I can speak to several clients of mine that were not prepared, do not consider working remotely or working from home a realistic option for them. And so I would imagine those companies are going to pay the long-term price for not entering this time period more effectively and coming out of it more effectively. Yeah, yeah, well said. You think about it in terms of we have to come back, and this is this is the this is ownership, this is the leadership's responsibility of revisioning the business, because where the vision was before, and the vision of the business is really directed at one audience, and that audience is for each and every colleague in the business. You look to the vision to find your place, you define your career, define your future, define your opportunities. So leaders should be spending a lot of time revisioning what the business looks like because they need to put that out in front of everyone so they can rally around that. And if they had a purposeful, meaningful mission, then again, the team is coming back willing to fight, knock down walls to get us back to where we all agreed we wanted to be. But that takes Jeff, leadership. what is that? I'm sorry? 
sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. So what what is that vision though? I mean, how so we're all leaders of businesses. I I don't even know what that looks like. I can't even think of what it looks like. You know, so we there could be an opening and everything's back to normal, which is doubtful. There could mm-hmm. be a another uh, mutation of this virus that sets us back even further. It could be uh, just a long journey back to where things are even semi back to normal. And there's new ways of doing things now. So how do you, you know, I don't know if anybody has the answer, but what would you do to position a firm, uh, regardless of whether it's sales or recruiters or whoever, in this kind of climate. Okay. I, 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 I understand what you're saying about there's a lot of uncertainty, but I believe a leader's responsibility is to look out six months, 12 months to maybe two years to try to determine what great looks like. Realistically, I'm not painting a picture that's unattainable. The reason I think they need to revision a business is the, the vision that was in place, you're probably going to fall short. If you had a vision in your business to be number one or number two in your marketplace and you know whatever your vision was, you got to revisit that to say, depending upon what industry I'm in, what, 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 let's take staffing. Doesn't it really depend what line of staffing that you're in? Some staffing companies are thriving right now, but there are others that are just struggling. I, I, I know of a client that I've worked with in the staffing business that had 600 people out prior to the pandemic and now it's down to 40. So revisioning that business is what's real look like, but a number that I can hang my hat on to try to move the business towards. So I, I, cause I, I, I think Kevin, that when your people come back, you want them thinking about the future. You want them thinking, hopefully that we're going to get through this. It just needs to be a lot. It needs to be very realistic, but I still believe that they need that path. Otherwise what happens? We're going to tell our own story. We're going to make up our own story. So what you have is a group of, of independent thinkers about what the future looks like. I'd much rather work towards interdependence to where we're all aligning around where we think we can get to. And in and, and that, yes, that will require a lot of planning that will require the owners, the managers really looking at where they believe we can get the business and then framing that around a vision. But I, I, I want that clarity in my business right now. And so I'd be spending a considerable amount of my time. 25% of my time would be looking at two things. One, where are there silver linings? Where are there opportunities now that this is created? And believe me, they're there. You just have to spend time thinking about it and step out of the day-to-day to work on your business, not in your business. At least 25% of your time in crisis should be spent futuring. The other 75% is dealing with all the things that we are all currently dealing with, but you have to be able to do both. Otherwise, all you're doing is problem solving day, day, day. Uh, So I know it's not easy, but I would want to be revisioning my business. So when all my folks are back, we we can put that out there and say, here's what we're striving for. So the worst that could happen is you fall short because things get worse than what you expected. So, no, that's good advice. What about on the sales front? You talk about, you know, as as sales leaders and making sure that 
your team is present and, and they're really uh, thinking through this in a clear way and, and you're, you're there with them from a compassion and empathetic state, what do you do with your sales team? I mean, you know that uh, it, the environment is completely upside down. Mm-hmm. You can't get face-to-face meetings. You mm-hmm. can't, uh, you know, uh, people just, it, it, it's just different, right? So what do you, uh, what do, you do with your team uh, regarding the activity side of things? How do you balance the methods of compassion to performance? Yeah, challenge. It's a big challenge, isn't it? The reality is, is you have to, you have to agree to some levels of committed activity that you're going to perform. And I, and I mean, agree, because it should now be a discussion. We now have had six to eight weeks of working in this environment. And, and, and it's, it's very easy for us to get so distracted thinking things aren't going to change, but they are, we are going to go back to work at some stage. Businesses are going to begin to open up. And the business environment looks a lot different in July and August and September than it does right now. Will it be vastly improved? No, that's the reality of it. So a couple things to your question. One, I would look at at who my salespeople were. What do I mean by that? Because I think it's a little bit of a different preparation. One of my big concerns uh, when I was leaving Brilliant, and one of the things that we talked a lot about in our development programs was that 75% of my colleagues there, my team members were under the age of 35 and a high energy. I I happened to, there's so much potential in that demographic there, but here's one thing that they've never worked in before. And that is a recession. If you think about it, they've worked in a economy that has been on fire since they got out of college. So coming back, what they're going back to, once the anxiety of the pandemic starts to go away, right? We, 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 we find vaccines and the health of the nation starts to improve. That can't mask the fact that we are going to be in a very difficult economic state. And they're going to be operating in an environment that they've never operated in before, where appointments and client meetings were pretty accessible. If you had the skill and the talent, now they're going to have to work even harder. So in that particular demographic, I would be spending a lot of this time. If I, if we're not able to make as many calls and make as many connects, then we should repurpose that time to development. So my challenge back to the managers is what are we doing to develop our, our skills is to sharpen our talents and putting effort into development. For one thing, it's a very positive distraction. Because if, if, if all a salesperson is doing is trying to make calls and, and they're not having success doing that, depending upon what vertical they're in, then they're just only going to get more frustrated. They're only going to get more down on themselves. The story that they're going to tell themselves is they're going to start asking the questions. Why am I in this business? Was it just a imposter syndrome I was going through? Was I just lucky? All the, you know, all the stuff that we tell ourselves when we're faced with really a lot of negativity around us. So put a positive distraction in there. But for that particular group of under 35-year-old folks, start working with them at what it's like working in a tough economic situation where you're going to see hiring freezes, where you're going to see one-ups, 
So where before the person you were talking to could make, they were the decision maker, they were the economic buyer, they could say yes to your candidate. Now that may have to go through two or three channels. So preparing them for working in this environment, I think is a good investment of a manager's or a company's time. And then if I'm that individual on a salesperson level, I need to have a beginner's mind about this. I should look at this as an opportunity. I don't know how much business is going to shift away from video conferencing, but am I doing everything I can to leverage this technology? You have to embrace this technology. I've, I've found in my own experience and working with sales teams now for the last two months, there are some advantages to video conferencing. And I know my friends that are relationship salespeople struggle with that, but there's certain efficiencies. There's also some certain things present on that Zoom meeting that aren't necessarily present in a face-to-face. -face. What do I mean by that? Well, one, on a Zoom meeting, everybody's the same size. <laughs> they really are. They're the same size. And so that's what I've so seen true. is that that's kind of depressed <laughs> some of the egotism that you normally come across in a face-to-face -face or in a one-on-one -on -one meeting. You know, the power struggle, the parent-child relationship that sometimes happens on a sales call. That's kind of gone away. But the other thing that I've noticed is that people are hesitating. They're pausing more because you have to, to listen. And the level of listening on a video conference call is incredibly high. So a good salesperson can get closer to the pain that a potential client has on a video conference call because there's none of the other peripheral things going on in that room. It's you and it's I, and I am, and, and I am listening and you are sharing with me because I, I think people are more vulnerable on a video conference call. They're more it, it, in some crazy way, Kevin and Tony, they're more humanized. I mean, you see dogs in the background, you see kids, you see them, you know, not putting this great persona and this, this, I am the boss look, they're, they're not necessarily coming across as their role or coming across as a human. And I think there's some opportunities, but that requires practice. That requires committing to understanding this new reality. Yeah, Jeff, you, I think you, you hit on it dead on. And, and I sort of pick up and I ask my team to pick up on the cues that you see in a Zoom call. For example, you know, now, hey, I'm sitting here in my bedroom. When I'm talking to a potential new buyer, uh, I'll look it behind him or her and I'll see sort of what I see there. And I'll, you know, they're, they're new conversational starters that, that pick up. And I do believe, like I mentioned earlier, everybody else is more vulnerable today. So, you know, it is more time effective, correct? There is less of the, I think you said it great. Wow. We're all the same size in a Zoom call. That is a sort of very simplistic way of, uh, and, and something that I very much agree with. Uh, I, I think it becomes less of who he or she, the, the buyer is versus who he or she is the seller. Mm -hmm. And you're all the same. Mm -hmm. And so that is a interesting thought that I hadn't considered, but probably feel that exact same way. I had a Zoom call today, as a matter of fact, and, you know, he had noticed something in my background uh, and I noticed something in his background and it's just sort of a nice conversational starter. 
and it gets you more inside of somebody and, and them inside of you. Uh, and that's what it's all about, right? You know, they could buy from a lot of different people mm-hmm. the same good or the same service. So what sort of separates you? I think it's sort of what separates the buyer and the seller is really their ability to connect and to read and react. And if you can read and react on a Zoom call, then you're going to be more successful than the rest. Because I truly think the buyer is going to have even less interest in setting up a face-to-face meeting or a coffee. And by the way, why can't you have coffee on a Zoom? Yes. So yeah. I, think you, I think you've hit it really right on with, with that sort of concept. And that would definitely be something that I would pass on to my team. Well, guy, just let them know that hey, you're the same size as that guy yeah. or that person. Yeah, it really does. It really it levels the it levels the relationship. One, one other last thought on that on on where I see real tremendous value for a salesperson on a video conference call is your preparation. And and I I, I, mean, I do this myself. If I'm if I'm on a call and I've done a lot of prep work and I I can now take my notes and put them on a three by five card. I can put my questions, all the things that I normally would have a challenge with if I was sitting across from you in a room, because it's much more of a spontaneous environment. I don't want to break my eye contact. Same thing on a Zoom call. The advantage is, is that I can, I can tape, a, I tape three by five note cards right on my screen on the sides of the camera. So I can still maintain my eye contact on the camera, but peripherally I can see my notes if I need to revert to them. So what happens is, is I'm able to do better due diligence. I'm better to ask, um, the opportunity to ask smarter questions exists because I have a lot more data in front of me because I'm looking at them on the, on, on the, on the camera, but I also have my notes kind of like a teleprompter. So what it's made is it's made the content of our discussions a lot deeper a lot getting a lot closer to what their real needs are. And isn't that the role of a salesperson? So I think you just have to look at these situations we're faced with. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the person that perseveres. What they do is when, when, when you, when you, when you run into a wall, like where we ran into here with the pandemic, okay, great. How am I going to pivot? There has to be a silver lining. And I happen to believe that if you look for them, you'll find them. And getting used, getting getting to be a world class on video conferencing can be a make or break. So why not invest in how I'm going to do that? And again, that just gets back to a personal commitment uh, that a salesperson needs to make: is how are they going to be sharpening their saw because they need to come out of this. And and so I talked about a little bit about that demographic being the making sure that they understand how different the environment is working in a in a recession, for those that have worked through it, well, you know that. But one of the things that I would make sure that I would be spending time on is understanding what's going on in the marketplace. Because my clients are going to face all the uncertainty, Kevin, that you mentioned about, well, how do you create a vision with all this uncertainty? True. That's in the mindset of every manager, hiring manager, whoever I'm talking to, my client. So the more we are perceived as thought leaders, the more we are perceived as category experts, as salespeople, will be so comforting to our clients. And not just about what's happening in staffing, but we have to go beyond that. 
we have to we have to be able to talk about what the economic impact in our industry, in our vertical, what it looks like now, where we believe it's going to go. And that's going to require salespeople doing a heck of a lot more research and stretching themselves. I, the goal being my, I want my salespeople to differentiate based on their ability to expand what they do. And that is not just provide the right candidate. It's to be able to educate and train my client base about what it's like working in this new economy. They're going to be looking for expertise. They're going to be looking for that. And why shouldn't they find it in me? If I, as a salesperson, can use that as my differentiator, I think I'll have a better chance of winning business. Good point. So we talk about, you know, the activity changing how they operate and what they do to be more effective in their day to day. And that's a great point. You mentioned, you know, there a lot of these people that have been running strong over the last 10 years haven't seen a recession. And there is going to be a lot of different feelings and emotions and things they go through to understand what it's like. And, and this isn't like your normal recession or depression. Correct. This is Correct. a they hit you right smack in the face as mm -hmm. you were going strong. And a lot of these people probably have never worked at home before either. So they've got a, a double whammy there. What, what else can you do as a leader, uh, especially on the sales side, to not only understand what they're going through, but give them a, a way to uh, get on that activity? I, I mean, so it's like, the, the thing that comes to mind to me is, okay, so things are different. You've got the buyers are still out there. They're in different places. You're going to contact them differently, but you know, maybe they're not buying and there's a lot of no's that they're getting, or mm -hmm. um, maybe, you know, in a prospecting methodology that you've gone through in the past, you know, it's about trying to get that first meeting. So maybe people are more open to that first meeting, but people aren't buying. So how do you, how do you how do you get people to overcome because you know before it was you know let's see if we can talk and then if we can talk on the phone that we get a in-person meeting and then we get an in-person meeting maybe we get a couple orders maybe we get a contract maybe we can be come up preferred vendor i mean there's all these different ways to go through this process but now it's like completely different you're, you're almost shut down how do you not only motivate them but how do you, what, what do you change in their processes to maybe shorten that cycle of the sale or uh, work on the getting through those no's and those objections? A, a couple of thoughts. I, what you said is I, I believe you need to change the purpose of the meeting. And the purpose of the meeting is what you want to get out of your mind is thinking that I'm, I'm, the purpose of this meeting is to get an order. I think you need to you need to step back and be a bit more strategic about it. The purpose of the meeting. I think we now have a very good story to tell about why it's important to have some cadence to meet on a regular basis. And I, I don't I don't know what that cycle time is, but for me, it would be to meet at least monthly to have a discussion. Again, this ties back to your ability as a thought leader. The purpose of the meeting now with a client is to make sure that we can do what? 
is, is that we can create some likability, is that, is that we can start building a relationship. But once we get past the likability, then, then the important functions are, well, can, how do I establish trust? Does this person trust me? Do they have the confidence in me as a sales professional? And do I have credibility? And all three of those things tie back to how you think about what your new role now is as a salesperson. If I think that my role is to go out and get orders to fill, then chances are I'm not going to get that appointment or they're going to find somebody else. The successful business development thinkers, I believe, in this environment are taking a much more strategic approach to it. I mean, even even Kevin, going back to my the, the, the numbers I remember in Brilliant was for every five client visits, we got an order. And it was it, and you could work it back for years. And I don't know how much that's going to change. But if I know that, then I don't worry about the order. I worry about the quality of that connection. So the salesperson should be focusing on providing the client value, value defined as they take away from that meeting with me some learning, some new ideas, some hope, some forecast, along with what we do. But it has to be a much more of a 360 experience so that they want to meet with you a month from now because you're so close to the marketplace. You, you're, you're so particularly if we're in Chicago, that we know the Chicago market so well and what's happening that you can rely on me to give you the right information about what's going on. Because I can find out what's going on in your business through our discussion. But what I'm able to provide them is what's happening in the marketplace, what's happening in the business environment, what's happening maybe potentially with their competitors. So I think it's, it's, it goes back to the word purpose. What's the purpose of the call? And we have to be not as narrow-minded as I'm making this call so I can get an order. No, you're, you're making it. You know, think about what, who you are now and what you are in that role. Yeah, and you talk about who you are and you talk about trust and confidence. What's interesting to me is, is you know, like you see these newscasters out there. Uh, you know, I don't watch news a lot, but when you see – you know, some guy that, uh, you know, is in his home and you see his home office and you're like, well, I've got a different view of this person altogether. And so when yes. we think about, yeah. right. So now it's uh, before these meetings and these calls were either in a restaurant or a coffee shop or at the client's turf. Right. And now it's, you're inviting them into your home. So you have to think about what does the trust and confidence look like in the environment that you're basically bringing your prospect or your client into which could change that trust or level of confidence. Sure can. Sure can. Spot on. You know, it's what the customer sees. That's the first impression that we make. What the customer sees is not just you. They see your marketing material. They see your website. They see your LinkedIn profile. You know, a salesperson that is going to thrive in this new economy is going to be, have to be performing at levels that they didn't have to perform at before. It's that real, but the ones that do, the ones that invest in themselves to make sure that, that, that they are prepared for what's coming are going to do well. Happens, you know, this just happens. 
I know, I know folks right now in the staffing business that are, that are, that are looking at this as opportunity. They're looking at this as opportunity. What, what generally happens in when things are this bad entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, they start, they get a little giggly, right? This is the best time to what start a business. This is the best time to find talent. Those put those two things together, you know, look, look at a lot of great companies out there and look where they started. Well, we should take that approach as our salespeople and managers. How are we reinventing ourselves? We're going to have to put a lot of time and effort. We have to come at this with a beginner's mind. What, what, what worked before may not work tomorrow, but that's the evolution of business. So I just believe yeah. we got to invest. We got to put the time in. And right now we have it. Believe me, we have it. We're home. You don't want to waste this time. You don't want to look back in three months and say, I wish I would have done more during this time yes. to prepare myself and my company for where we stand, where we are. You know, I, as far as I'm concerned, yes, I am look, constantly looking at new opportunities, new paths to which we could go to. You know, I certainly believe right now more than ever right there's going to be more warehousing space being utilized for various reasons all across the country so there is a i believe a huge opportunity to staff warehousing type workers and so i'm i'm looking at, at that all the time because I'm, I'm seeing the capacity of warehouses being taken up by ppe supplies all over the country people are starting these businesses and investing in these businesses and being and, and and bringing product over from everywhere in the world and so i see a great deal of opportunity in, in sort of staffing warehouses hmm. good thought and see those thoughts only come tony do you when you got time to think about them and so you know that just tells me that you're not stuck in the business you're working on your business so bravo to you you, you always have to keep looking and keeping your eyes open to what the reality is, right? Yeah, I think when you sort of just stand in, in one place and it just accept the status quo, you're going to, life's going to, and, and your career is going to pass you by. So, you know, if, if IT is slow for an odd, you know, listen, in, in IT, the first people to go are contractors and the first people to come back are contractors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I have to take a look, a hard look at that and see if there's a replacement for that. And, and, and warehousing is one of those areas where I see a potential uh, advantage. And, and it costs me nothing to try. So why not? Yeah. 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 Excellent thought. You've seen things at a very high level. You've run a very successful business. I think you, you have access to a lot of people. What, what else can you think of that you could tell owners of you know, our audience is staffing and recruiting firms, but what are some other points outside of readjusting how the sales process and people think, but what, what, what other suggestions would you have for our audience? I think about, there's, there's an equation that, that we use in executive coaching that, that to me applies to everything that we do. And it's a very simple equation and it's P equals P minus I. So P, performance, and we want high performance, equals P. The second P is potential. It's the potential 
that I, as an owner, it's the potential as I, as a manager, it's the potential as I, as a salesperson have to get to the highest level of performance that I can. And remember, it's P equals P minus I. So what's the I? The I is the interference. What is holding me back from hitting my highest performance? And in most of the situations that I get involved in managing and coaching with other salespeople, managers, and owners, the majority of the I, Kevin, is between our ears. It's the way that we choose to think about it. So I would challenge your audience to say, if, if first, on a scale of one to five, where is my current performance at? And if it's not at a five, now I know where to go. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to make excuses. What I'm going to do is tackle what's the interference. And the interference shows up in three ways. It's, it's usually the interference is ourselves, it's people. Or it could be systems and processes. But generally, it's ourselves and our belief about why we're not performing. And the interference that I see now is the willingness for people, if they're going to persevere, they're going to have to invest in their careers like they never have before. You are going to, you, you should be on a sales level, be looking at every core competency and sharpening it. Your elevator presentation should be so crisp and it should be so current. We have all this great technology. I would be, I would be, if I was a salesperson, you should be recording your, your calls, you should be recording your video conferences and then playing them back and watching them like game film so you can look at your annotation. I mean, our voices now and our verbal communication is oftentimes on a screen. It's as important as it is when we're face-to-face. So am I working to improve that? How do I look? We have a chance now to see ourselves present. It's pretty fascinating. But am I going back... I just got off a call with a guy doing this. We went minute by minute of one of his presentations. And it's amazing the learning that sits there. So on a salesperson level, am I willing to make that commitment? On a managerial level, am I willing to show a level of leadership that I've probably never been tapped to do before? And that is balancing my skills in running the day-to-day, the management side of the business, But also, am I developing my teams? Am I committing as a manager to developing my folks? The company should be providing some level of development for their people. And then at the owner level, it's thinking about what's next. At the owner level, it's it's visioning how am I going to find a silver lining in this? There has to be some opportunities that are going to come out of this. What are they? And surrounding myself with like-minded people that can help me get there. Because there are going to be some real winners that come through this funnel six months, a year from now. And they're the ones that have invested the time to say, okay, this reality happened, but I'm not allowing this to slow us down. We are going to find ways to work through this together. That would be my suggestion to those three areas. Well said, Jeff. Great advice. I, I concur. I don't think we gave you a proper intro and uh, you've got a a nice little business that you've uh, put together there. So 
why don't you give us a, a few seconds on what it is you're doing now in a little more detail than you had at the intro, and then how, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how they would go about doing that? Sure. No, thank you. I spend all my time working with people like Tony, working with people like Kevin, that have the view that they want to constantly and never ending improve their business. And when I find a leader, when I find a manager, when I find a person that is, brings that beginner's mind to their approach, then the challenge to me is how can I work to transform their current set? So think about that equation. My role is to work with managers and work with leaders that aren't performing at a five on that performance equation and help them find ways to get and break down the interference. And so we do that through workshops. We do that through executive coaching. Most of the workshops that I do are either sales and sales management related, or they are manager leader related. And we do those virtually and have been doing them virtually for the last year and a half but we also do some on site. But right now, all the work that we're doing around leadership development and sales development is happening virtually. And to find out about us, us meaning Michelle and I, it's mariolaunlimited.com. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, I, I always enjoy your perspective on things. Uh, you're a, a great strategic thinker. And uh, I know that I personally could learn quite a bit from you. And so I hope we get a lot of people that will listen to this and take a few bits of information away. And, you know, I know that as we continue down this, uh, this unprecedented times, uh, there's going to be a lot more challenges we're going to be facing, and uh, we'd love to have you on again at another oh, date as well. No, it's it's so. great getting caught up, Kevin. Tony, good to hear your voice, Tony. Jeff, always a pleasure to hear your voice. You know, uh, hopefully we'll be seeing each other soon. But regardless, I, I think your perspective that you brought today will only benefit our audience. So, again, thank you very much for all your insight. No, I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, guys. All right. I'm Kevin O'Brien, and with me is Tony Sherwood, and we are staffing and recruiting the real life. And until next time, take care, guys. Tony Sherwood, enjoy yourself.